You're listening to Beat Autoimmune and Thrive, the podcast all about reversing and preventing autoimmune conditions so you can live your most vibrant life as soon as possible. We talk about autoimmune root causes, actionable solutions, and inspirational healing stories. I'm Palmer Kippola, and I used to have MS. Today, I'm an author, a speaker, a functional medicine certified health coach, a pickleball player, and nature lover who's helped thousands of people reclaim their health and their best lives. Let's dive into this episode. I am super excited to be here with Dr. Sangeeta Pedro, naturopathic doctor and collaborator of mine, Dr. Pedro specializes in resolving complex chronic infections and toxins that often underlie autoimmune conditions. And today, Dr. Pedro and I are going to talk specifically about gut health. What is the gut? What can go wrong? Why do we care about this? How is the gut linked to autoimmunity? And on and on and on. There's a ton to cover, but we're going to try to keep it brief and to the point as best we can so that you can tell whether or not you need to address your gut for healing, what you can do on your own, what to consider, and so forth. So welcome, Dr. Pedro. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me once again. Yay. I'm delighted. And as you know, I always love to start at the beginning. And sometimes people get confused about what is the gut? I mean, we hear about this and it's been said that all disease begins in the gut, but what does that even mean? So can you just give us an overview of what are we talking about when we're talking about the gut? I think the simplest way to think about it is a big tube that starts with the mouth. So you put food in your mouth, you chew it in a rhythmic manner. It goes down the esophagus, which is also a tube, and then all the way through the twisty, turny middle part of the small intestine, out through the colon, and then we all know what comes out the other end. So the entire gut really starts with the mouth and then goes all the way out. And digestion itself begins even before we start chewing, but really it starts in the mouth. That beautiful, beautiful. It's really important to visualize this. And I love how you defined it as a tube because it's actually not inside us at all until things get absorbed, which we'll talk about. So it is. it does start with the mouth and even preparing to eat. Um, so we do talk about the gut a lot and it's a priority when it comes to healing from autoimmune conditions, but many people don't know why it's so important. And why is it that we focus on this? What is the gut's role when it comes to health and disease? So I think of the gut as the foundation of everything. So when you're building a house, you always start by building a solid foundation that's nice and level before you put anything else on top of it. And uh, we deal with, like you said, a lot of clients with autoimmunity, which is a deeply ingrained complex condition that involves the whole body. And so when you're starting to unravel those conditions that can have symptoms in various organ systems and places in the body, you want to start with that solid foundation like building a house. So you really want to start with the gut because the gut is the place where we absorb all of our nutrients. So like putting gas in a car, you have to have gas to make the car run. We need a whole variety of nutrients. We need amino acids, we need vitamins, we need fats, you know, proteins. We need all of these things. And they have to be broken down properly, mouth, 
stomach, digestive enzymes, so they can be absorbed primarily in the small intestine. So that whole initial part of digestion, that absorption part gives us the fuel, gives us the building blocks, the basic materials that the liver primarily needs bone marrow to build immunoglobulins, hormones, you know, so there's the absorption piece. That's the first really important. We need the basic building blocks. The other really big important part of the gut is getting rid of waste. So it does both. And when we're detoxing from things, could be heavy metals, mycotoxins, you know, we all have buildup of certain amounts of toxins. We need the digestive system to be working really well in its detox capacity, which is in conjunction with liver and gallbladder and other organ systems, but essentially everything is gonna come out through the colon, as we know. And so talking about bowel movements, making sure things are moving well, that's the other big piece. So you've got absorption to get those raw materials, and then you have detoxification and getting rid of waste. Yeah, those are two huge important points. And I would just add a third from my vantage point um, of autoimmunity. The immune system is mostly housed in the gut too, right? And one distinction that I'd like to add is that most people think that autoimmune issues are organ-specific problems. So mm -hmm. if you have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, the most common autoimmune condition in the world, that you have a thyroid problem. Or if you have MS, like I used to, that you actually have a central nervous system problem with the myelin basic protein, the myelin sheath. Or if it's rheumatoid arthritis, you have a joint problem. Mm -hmm. But that's not actually correct, right? I, I want to make this distinction because this brings us back to the gut, which is like grand central station for all things immune and autoimmune related. Yeah. So when you, when things go wrong, so when that absorptive or, or breaking down digestive capacity and then the absorption capacity and the removal of waste capacity are diminished, and that can happen for a variety of different root reasons. So not talking about the downstream effects like you mentioned yet, like MS or thyroid conditions, but even before that, when those systems start to operate less optimally, you develop inflammation in the gut lining itself, inside that tube. That further impairs those basic functions of removal of waste and absorption. And that starts to affect, like you mentioned, the um, immune system, which, you know, 70 plus percent of our lymph tissue or immune tissue is in the small intestine. And so that starts to be impaired. And then you go back to that loop of you also don't have the basic building blocks to build things within the immune system, different immunoglobulins, and that further causes inflammation. So it's a cycle that's very easy to get stuck in. And the body will start to show signs of gut inflammation sometimes in further downstream tissues. So you can start to have thyroid issues. I would even say the most common seasonal allergies, people just think seasonal allergies are, oh, it's just the thing that happens as you get older. But it is one of the simplest forms of autoimmunity where your body's overreacting to a simple stimulus that everyone is exposed to, but not everyone reacts the same way. So it could be seasonal allergies, thyroid conditions, MS, joint pains for sure. Those are all downstream other organ effects that are showing signs of inflammation. But the inflammation starts at the very simple when the whole system gets a little kinked up in the gut. 
I am so, that was so beautifully said. And I, we've talked about this before that sometimes we need to hear things again and again and again. And even though I've studied this and done the research to hear it again and again, it still takes time to really sink in how important this is. And and here's what I want to say, just to underscore what you said, even if you don't have gut symptoms, even if you don't feel pain, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, anything like that, but you have joint pain, you have brain fog, you have aches and pains, you have numbness and tingling. I don't care what the symptom is, migraine headaches, Mm -hmm. we still want to look to the gut, right? Yep. And then if you add in things that people often overlook, like They've had multiple bouts of food poisoning in their life, but it lasts a day. They feel awful. It goes away. They don't think anything of it. Or people who very commonly take antibiotics about once a year or once every two years, every seven-day course of a standard antibiotic will throw your bacterial balance off for up to a full year, mm. which allows yeast to overgrow. It, it lowers your defenses against parasites. So even simple things that we take for granted as being normal can over time build up, which is why often we don't see people, people don't come in complaining of really bothersome symptoms until maybe they're in their 40s or 50s because it's taken decades for these little small assaults on the gut to build up to a level of inflammation that's caused imbalance in the gut flora, which has created inflammation and on and on. And then they end up with these more troubling symptoms like joint pain and numbness and tingling. Oh my goodness, that's great. And leaky gut, as we know, the you you know, euphemistically called leaky gut, it's intestinal hyperpermeability. Your gut is supposed to be a little bit leaky, but like you're saying, these insults, these assaults over time add up. And what's supposed to be a tiny little sieve like this letting things in, it's like all of a sudden the gates are stuck open in this open sesame mode. So autoimmune healing is about removing the things that are creating the assault on the gut, right? The antibiotics, the excess medications, even the Tylenol. And many people may not be aware that chronic stress keeps the gut leaky and inflamed and so forth. So all of those, I'm so glad you mentioned the food poisoning and antibiotics because they all harm the gut. And the great news is that this is repairable, right? We don't, this is not a forever kind of scenario. So Let's talk about what can people do if they suspect, or if, is there someplace you'd like to start before that? Because I was going to just ask, so people have these symptoms, they've got things going on. What do they do at this point? Well, depending on your severity of symptoms, you know, if you've got some minor gut distress, maybe constipation or some diarrhea here and there, there's probably a lot you can do on your own. I would always suggest if people can afford it to find a good functional medicine alternative naturopath, someone who understands this whole body connection to work with when you've got other more complicated symptoms, because it does take a bit of a roadmap uh, to unravel those things. And although the gut is the place to start, um, it can get a little more complicated. But for the average person maybe hearing this who who knows that they could tune up their gut, maybe they get heartburn more often than they feel like they should, which should be never actually, but <laughs> another thing we normalize. Um, you know, some minor things. There's definitely some stuff you could do. So I always suggest reading your book, Palmer, and doing the 30-day food vacation and just getting rid of the major inflammatory foods for a whole month. There's also other books out there like The Whole 30. I mean, there's a lot of 
options out there of ways to take inflammatory foods out of your diet for a period of time. Most people feel dramatically better even just from that. And then they go right back to eating the way they used to eat and they feel bad again. So it's a really good um, embodied understanding of how foods affect you. So that's something that everyone can do. Take out gluten, dairy, um, what am I missing? Sugar. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the autoimmune spectrum, you know, the top five foods would also include eggs. Many, many people. So the dairy, the gluten, some people just react. I'm one of those people that I just can't have grains, at least not right now, because of levels of inflammation. The ideal is we heal our gut and then we can bring some things back in because mm -hmm. we don't want to be completely right. We don't want to be that person that's just eating three or four foods. I mean, that is just not how we build gut diversity. So right. we have all these insults the the first part of gut healing is removing the bad stuff. So taking, trying this 30 day food vacation, taking out the bad and the excess medications, would you agree um, are part of that conundrum? Yeah. And this is where it gets a little tricky because often people are taking things like anti-inflammatories or steroids because they're in pain. Yeah. And when pain is an issue, um, that's a little bit more complicated and isn't really something I would suggest people try to do on their own because they will get very frustrated. It's frustrating anyways, yeah. but people will often get very frustrated on their own and give up and, you know, not continue to try. So find an experienced practitioner for that. Um, if there's pain and those sorts of medications, you definitely want to ultimately be off of heartburn medication, which is a huge impact it's it's a huge impediment to proper digestion so acid blockers of any kind too many anti-inflammatories and steroids those seem to be the common ones recurrent repetitive antibiotic use those are the things that are going to insult the gut the most in the short term um, and you can work to get off of those for sure diet is a great place to start how and when we eat is also a good thing to do you know like you mentioned stress chewing food slowly sitting down to actually enjoy your food. Don't eat in the car or on the run. Um, there's some simple things like that that people can also do to just improve digestive absorption and mm -hmm. elimination. Mm -hmm. So in my experience, and I think our experience, we see people typically over 40 and yeah. many might complain of excess acid in their tummy. Mm -hmm. And many people who've gone to a doctor and they say, let's put you on an acid blocker. I just would love to provide your thoughts on what is actually happening, that feeling of excess acid. Is it a problem with too much acid? It's typically dysregulated acid production. So the stomach acid is being produced in the wrong amount and at the wrong time, typically lower stomach acid overall, but also being produced at the wrong time. And this has a lot to do with stress the limbic system, how we eat. Uh, and, and the standard conventional treatment is to just put people on either H2 antagonists that block histamine or PPIs that block the production, the proton pump inhibitors that block acid production at the end stage. And that just totally shuts off the acid pumps. And there are so many long-term effects of that. The biggest one for women being osteoporosis Really, there's studies on this. It decreases bone mass over time. But in the shorter term, it really just doesn't allow you to break down food. You need enough stomach acid to be able to break things down into smaller pieces so that when they empty into the next stage of digestion, 
they're already somewhat broken down and being prepared for absorption. So the stomach often gets overlooked, and this is one of the places that people normalize symptoms. When you say, do you have any gut symptoms? And they instantly say, no, I'm fine. Because we think that to have a gut disorder, you have to have chronic diarrhea or intense bloating that's painful or cramping or parasites, mm -hmm. like acute parasites or food poisoning. But really those are the extremes and not commonly what we see. More commonly we see people with chronic heartburn, indigestion, bloating could be severe or mild, gas, constipation, um, constipation, diarrhea. Everyone should be pooping once a day at least, nice, long, continuous, well-formed. Anything outside of that is abnormal and can be corrected by improving digestion. And it really all starts in the stomach. Well, it all starts in the mouth and it starts thinking about food. When you eat in a rush, you don't give your brain time to tell your stomach that, that food is coming. Turn on the acid pumps. Your stomach should be full of stomach acid before you even take a bite. And most of us eat on the run and we eat so quickly we're just inhaling our food that the stomach acid actually gets produced after the stomach is already full, which doesn't break things down well. And the stomach doesn't empty well. It just really puts a wrench in the whole system. So one really simple thing I think everyone can do, even if you only have 15 minutes to eat is set your food in front of you, look at it, enjoy the colors and the smell and the textures before you actually eat. And by engaging your other senses, you're going to turn those stomach acid pumps on and prep your stomach to take in food. It takes 10, 15 seconds to do that. And then if you have time and you can really sit and enjoy your food and don't be on your phone and don't be on the computer and, you know, eat when you're eating, eat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so beautifully said and, and words of wisdom for all of us. So the, the two areas that you mentioned in particular absorption. The, the gut is the house of absorption and the gut is the house of detoxification. So what are some ways that people can improve their absorption? You've touched on one to just get ready for the food. Are there other things that people can do to prepare their digestive system for absorption? Well, this is really where the clean out of the gut happens. And this is, I think, the bulk of what we do with clients is you have to figure out what the imbalance in the gut is that's causing the inflammation that's leading to leaky gut that's causing these extra symptoms like thyroid and MS. And um, so rather than going straight for those symptoms, you look at the gut and say, okay, well, look at the person's history. I mean, this is the path, the path that we go down all the time. And we make judgments based on their medical history and symptoms about what might be in the way. And the common things are too much bacteria in the wrong place. So if you've got an overload of bacteria in the small intestine where it shouldn't be, we call that um, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Yeast overgrowth, I would say, is probably the most common just because of antibiotic use in our culture. And then parasites. And people, not, people often have all three or one more predominantly than the others. But this is where you really need someone to help you because you need to clean out the small and the large intestine of anything that's taking up too much space. We should have mostly good bacteria, a whole bunch of them, billions of them, a little bit of yeast. And some people say we have some microscopic parasites, but they're in very small amounts and they, they don't compete. And they all live in harmony together. If, if you have a microbiome that's anything other than that, 
that's too much yeast or too much parasites or too much of both of those, not enough good bacteria, you are gonna have some kind of symptom. And you need to clean that out so that that filtration, that absorption system is not inflamed and it's working properly rather than being leaky and letting everything into the bloodstream in too large of pieces. It's selectively choosing what should stay in that gut tube and what should be brought into the bloodstream. And that discernment, that selectiveness um, gets harmed when that the gut lining is inflamed. Yeah. So you need to clean out what's in the way and repopulate with good stuff eventually down the road. And still always, and a lot of times people will jump right to the clean out or right to the probiotics or That's the right. healing phase. But if people really put into place the fundamentals, make sure you're chewing your food, make sure you're leaving space between meals for the gut to clean itself out, make sure you have good stomach acid production, that's going to go so far to improving your absorption and ultimately preventing further overgrowth of things. Because when you're absorbing well, the only thing that's eliminated is the actual waste. When people have imbalanced flora, you end up dumping a lot of stuff out of your body that really should have been absorbed, but it just didn't get broken down well enough. So people end up with nutrient deficiencies and immune system deficiencies. Um, so yeah, you really need to do all of those pieces. But for anyone just at home, you know, working on the fundamentals on their own, you know, you really just need to work on when you're eating, what you're eating, how you're eating. Those are the basics. And I think we could all use more practice in those. Oh, so beautifully said, because it's so empowering to know there's so much you can do. And one of the things you mentioned is space between meals, because I I see still this phenomenon of snacking and eating three meals a day, and we're just overburdening our whole digestive system. I don't know who came up with a three meals a day thing and snacking, um, but talk about what's optimal for space between meals, whether or not we should snack and how long to leave before we go to bed. For most people, you want to leave at least four hours between meals and three to four hours between dinner and bedtime. Dinner should also ultimately not be the heaviest meal of the day, which in our culture it typically is. Um, The largest meal of the day should be midday sometime, and if you're eating two meals a day, it should be between 11 and 12. Um, and then a lighter dinner between six and seven. You really shouldn't eat after seven if you're going to bed by 10, which you should be, (laughs) even though most people are not. Um, So yeah, you wanna leave at least four hours because that's the time that it takes for the small intestine to flush itself out of any leftover debris. It's not a digestive wave, it's a clean out wave. It's different than the waves that happen when the small intestine is moving food. And it helps prevent any backup and overgrowth of bacteria. So that's really important. Um, I often have people just eat twice a day unless they have they are particularly hungry or they're an athlete and they're just burning tons and tons of calories, then that might be a different story. But around 11 and 6 is good time to eat meals and have those be heartier meals. And you can have a snack in the middle of the day, you know. 233 if you really are hungry or again if you're really physically active and just burning through calories but that also allows the digestive system to rest so if you do have gut inflammation it's going to give your body more time to clean itself out and to not expend energy digesting breaking down and absorbing digestion is the the number one thing that requires more energy than anything else our body does even our brain even if you're using your brain every day 
intensely all day long, that doesn't require as much energy as it does to break down and absorb food. So the more time, so when your your body's already overburdened, if you can space out the time between those moments when your body's working really hard to break down food and absorb, it's going to allow your whole body to rest and it's going to allow the overall inflammation in your system to come down. So if you've got headaches, joint pain, that kind of stuff, that's all linked to the gut in the inflammation in the gut. And that's all going to come down, not just gut symptoms. Everything is going to come down to a calmer level, less pain. It's going to help alleviate that long-term permanently. I, I love that. I love that. And I really want people to absorb that concept of when you improve the absorption, everything comes down in terms of symptom levels. And then something that might get increased is hormone production, right? I mean, that's where hormones and neurotransmitters are also made is in the gut. And I don't know that a lot of people know that piece of it. Yeah, when we, the liver, so most people think of the liver as a detoxification organ, which it absolutely is. It's responsible for detoxing tons of stuff, environmental chemicals in things that we ingest, everything, but it also builds things. So it's going to take the raw materials from your food, which remembers the fuel, and it's going to build what your body needs. If your system overall is healthy, it's going to have enough raw materials to do everything it needs to do. So it's going to be able to keep the immune system healthy. It's going to be able to build enough hormones. It's going to be able to make carrier proteins. It's going to do all of that. Red blood cells, white blood cells. Um, but if it doesn't have the basic building blocks, it's going to have to choose. The body's going to have to decide, what am I going to make first? And in order of importance, our brain and organ system, nervous system, is the most important for daily life. So those things get taken care of first. Hormones are icing on the cake. They're important, but they're not as important. And the body can function with much, much lower levels of thyroid, adrenal hormones, sex hormones, than it can without a heart or a brain. <laughs> so <laughs> heart, brain, kidney, liver, you know, we don't need all those organs really well functioning just to be alive. And the hormones, not as important. So people often come to us with hormonal complaints, thyroid, like you mentioned, very common, but also women with very low or imbalanced sex hormones, mm -hmm. lots of a low adrenal function. And that's often also an effect or partially an effect from an inflamed gut. And when you heal that absorption, you're going to give the liver and the body in general what it needs to build everything on a daily basis. But that can also take time. People often want those hormonal symptoms to go away right away because they're distressing. But it takes a while for the body to become re-nourished. It's been depleted. And so to really nourish the tissues can take many, many months, but it still starts in the gut. That's right. That's right. I hear you say so frequently, hair, skin, nails, and hormones are last. Yeah. So ladies, predominantly, who are concerned about hair loss, I know we hear you loud and clear, but mm -hmm. this just reemphasizes the importance of addressing gut health. Because without doing this step, and we see this time and time again, especially culprits like parasites, I mean, these are immune system burdens that are blocking your healing and blocking the hair growth because your immune system's too busy fighting these invaders, these intruders. Mm -hmm. So that's, I just wanted to underscore hair, skin, nails, 
hormones last, unfortunately, but that speaks so much to the importance of continuing to focus on gut health, right? Yeah. And if you come in to see us or some other practitioner with hormonal complaints, like you already are at that stage, that means that whatever created that hormonal imbalance started decades before you entered into the office of that practitioner. The good news is it doesn't take nearly as long to correct the problem as it did to create it. So most people's symptoms have been slowly building over many, many, many years, decades. It doesn't take nearly that long. I mean, I think we tend to tell people when you've got a lot of things going on and complex, a lot of depletion, that just buckle up for a year. Mm-hmm. A year of monthly check-ins, working on diet and lifestyle, rotating supplements and treatment. And, you know, one year compared to the decades it took me to get there is really not a lot to commit to. But it seems like a really long time because we do live in a culture that tends to want to take something to fix a problem right away. And unfortunately, it it just does take longer to really, really nourish the tissues on a deep level. But then, you know, six months, 12 months down the road, you've got great hair again. (laughs) You know, there's nothing more gratifying than hearing from clients. I've got baby hairs coming back in. Hey, you know, I don't have a handful of hair coming out in the shower, which we hear so often Mm -hmm. because they've been working to clear out the bad stuff, nourish their systems. And it's just the byproduct of everything else, which is why the hormones chapter in my book, it's over this shoulder is the last chapter because it's downstream from everything else. Like once you start addressing your foods, clearing those infections, dealing with the toxins, right? That's when the gut gets healed and the hormones get back online and it's so exciting. And I think this is really, you know, such helpful information for people. Are there any final thoughts you have on how people might know if their gut is healed. So I have some thoughts on my own, but I I would love to know your thoughts around, you know, how do I know if my gut is healed? I've been at this healing thing for a year or two or three, and how do I know it's better? Yeah, so there are um, parameters that we can test on lab work for sure that show a simple blood work, even not fancy stool tests or anything, but even just simple blood work, there are parameters that will tell us that you're absorbing things better, your immune system looks better. So there's that. There's kind of the basic um, what are clinical those? lab work. I'm interjecting. So what, what could people look for if they pull out their CBC, their complete blood <laughs> count? What are they looking for? Uh, so you, an MCV, which is the size of your red blood cells, you want to be under 90, uh, but not too small. Not too small. If they're too small, if they're below the range, which is usually around 80, 82, if it's below that, then you're probably anemic. Um, and then there's a lot of other red blood cell parameters like hemoglobin and hematocrit that you want to be pretty much right in the middle of ranges. If they're too low or too high, that can also indicate still Got some it. imbalance. Um, white blood cell count. Also, you want your white blood cell count to be, you know, around seven ish in a healthy, non-sick individual. And the breakdown of white blood cell count, when you look at the differential, you really want to have about 60, 65% neutrophils, 30% lymphocytes, and then very small amounts of the others. Um, and that tells us your immune system, at least in a very basic way is, healthy and functional, which again is the gut, the immune system, not separate. It's, it's all part of this. And I, I didn't want to make people have to be, you know, a detective on their own lab work. I just think 
having some indication like that MCV mean corpuscular value. Is that right? Mean corpuscular volume. Volume. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And that's a sign of absorption. And so if it's too high, that could be a sign of your your gut is not absorbing things properly. Yeah. Predominantly B12. A lot of people will look at that and say you're B12 deficient, which is true, but why? And the why often goes back to the gut not absorbing. The stomach has a lot to do actually with B12 absorption. So if you don't have enough stomach acid, you also won't absorb B12 well. So that's a really simple indicator. But also the other just sort of functional um, symptom wise, you should be feeling better. I mean, (laughs) across the board, you should be pooping once a day or more. They should be healthy, well-formed and complete. Um, without straining or need for excessive caffeine. And elimination is the one thing we didn't touch on too much, but that is something that is usually abnormal in most people, even though they think it's normal. And so the elimination portion, as your absorption improves, the body's got more raw materials, your inflammation goes down, you're also gonna get rid of toxins better. You're gonna have more regular bowel movements, which will also lower your overall body inflammation because when those toxins are just trapped in tissues, they're going to trigger immune function and your immune system is going to be working all the time to try and clear this stuff, but it can't. And when you, when you basically, you know, pull the rocks out of the river and it starts flowing better, everything is going to start flowing out Mm. and the overall burden on the system will be lower and your inflammation will continue to go down. Goes down. People feel better. It's all connected. So we're we're moving people from this downward spiral, this vicious cycle of inflammation, more inflammation, water weight gain. When we pull, I love that, pull the rocks out of the river, remove the bad stuff, help nourish the tissues and the system. We're creating these virtuous upward cycles, these circles, right? Yeah. And a lot of the beginning of treating yourself or you're seeing a practitioner is removing things. So removing anything we can control externally that might be adding to the body's burden, we try and remove. Mm-hmm. And then we try to repair the systems of absorption, repair the systems of digestion. So we start to get better raw materials. And then as we go along, we work more on that renourishing and you know, adding that juiciness back to the system, which is gonna be hair, skin, nails, hormones, eventually down the road. But you really have to get everything out of the way first, get things flowing, get toxins moving out, get that overall inflammatory burden down. Beautiful, beautiful. And do you have any final thoughts on gut healing that you'd like to share? Because I think this has been super, super valuable information. The only last little bit of advice I would give people is that Gut health is not something you do for a little while and then you're done. (laughs) So gut health is we need to maintain a healthy gut throughout the course of our lives. And as we age, things naturally change. So if you come to us or someone else and they get you on this really healthy eating plan, you don't just have to do that for a few months and then you get to go back to eating you know, greasy food and eating out all the time. It's a really a lifestyle change and practice that's going to keep you healthy. Because our goal isn't to get you healthy and then just let you go back to your old ways. I think people want to stay healthy once they're healthy. And so this really is about living in a way, sleeping, eating, regulating our lifestyle in a way that keeps us healthy, not only gets us past the symptoms, but long term is going to keep these things from coming back. 
so beautifully said and what a great place to end this. Thank you so much, Dr. Pedro. I really, really appreciate your guidance and your expertise that is just helping to really empower people to heal and thrive. It's not just about healing. It's living this detox lifestyle for good, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's about being healthy in the, for the long term. For the long term. Love it. Thank you so much. Can't wait for the next one. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends and family. And if you feel inspired, please leave a quick review so other people can find it too. Now, if you want to beat autoimmune and thrive, make sure you sign up for my free video training at freeautoimmunetraining.com. That's freeautoimmunetraining.com and watch the first video right away. Take good care. Bye for now.